sing. Yep. Well, thank you, worship team, for wonderfully leading us in praising God today. And before we start, uh, as we listen to God's word today, let us pray. Lord, what we know not, teach us. What we have not, give us. What we are not, make us. For Jesus' sake, Amen. Human nature, writes Martin Luther, is like a drunkard trying to ride a horse. He gets on and falls off the left side. Then he resolves not to make the mistake again, so he remounts, careful to avoid falling off on the left and promptly falls off on the right. Now Luther, the German theologian and pastor that sparked the Protestant Reformation 500 years ago, he's a, quite a good observer of human nature. If we think about it, we see that in ourselves too, don't we? We make a mistake, we get hurt by it. Or because of someone's mistake, we get hurt. We resolve never to let that happen again. And in trying to guard ourselves, we overcompensate and fall into the other extreme. I wonder if this describes us as a church as well when we talk about the Holy Spirit. And it doesn't help us when the older translation of the Bible, like the KJV, the Holy Spirit is called the Holy Ghost. You know what? Holy Ghost. The name itself evokes an image of something unknown or something perhaps even fearful. And with the growth of the charismatic movement in many parts of the world and in Singapore, many of us have had, have had encounters with Christians and churches that overly emphasize the Holy Spirit. And sometimes we have had bad, bad experiences with them as well. And there is in our own history at Grace Baptist Church, there was a church split in the 1980s over this very issue. And I know there are past hurts and perhaps even some lingering fears. But let's not overreact or let our fears dictate our thinking and our actions. Let us not throw the baby out together with the bathwater. Let us go back to what God has clearly revealed in the Bible. And let us let God's Word be our authority and guide as we seek to understand the third person of the Trinity, the Holy Spirit. Just who is the Holy Spirit? And what does He do? This is what we hope to answer as we look at the Gospel of John this week and next. We'll look at John 14 today, and Pastor Yen, he will take us through John 16 next week. As together as a church, we sit under God's Word, then look at John's Gospel and see what it has to tell us about the person and the work of the Holy Spirit. You know, when your loved one, a parent, a son, a daughter, your boyfriend or your girlfriend, when they are about to make a long journey and be gone for a while, Usually before they leave, you know what happened, right? They'll call us and meet us and they'll say some last words. This is perhaps to express their love for us again 
or just to reassure us that they will not be away long and will be back really soon. And this is the context for today's message. We read Jesus' last words to his disciples before his crucifixion and his death. Today's story occurs in the week before Jesus' crucifixion and death on the cross. Just before the feast of the Passover, Jesus gathers his disciples in the upper room of a house. There, they have a meal together and Jesus speaks his last words to them before his passion, before his suffering and crucifixion. He tells his beloved disciples that he's about to depart and will go away for a while. Of course, here he was speaking about his coming death. Jesus comforts his disciples by telling them that he goes to prepare a place for them. He comforts and calms their fears at his coming departure. He tells his disciples he will send another helper, the Holy Spirit, and he will be with them forever. Jesus promises his disciples that whoever believes in him, they too will also do the works that Jesus do. Because Jesus is going to ask the Father to empower his disciples to do so. So if you have your Bibles, if you have Bibles, please turn with me to John chapter 14. John chapter 14, verses 15 to 31. And for those of you who need the Bible, please feel free to borrow the Pew Bible in front of you. And the passage that we are on today is on page 901. 901. So John chapter 14, verses 15 to 31. Verses 15 to 31. John 14, verse 15. If you love me, you will keep my commandments. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper to be with you forever, even the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it neither sees him nor knows him. You know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. Yet a little while, and the world will see me no more. But you, you will see me, because I live, you also will live. In that day, you will know that I am in my Father, and you in me, and I in you. Whoever has my commandments and keeps them, he it is who loves me. And he who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I will love him and manifest myself to him. Verse 22. Judas, not Iscariot, said to him, Lord, how is it that you will manifest yourself to us and not to the world? Jesus answered him, If anyone loves me, he will keep my word, and my Father will love him, and we will come to him and make our home with him. Whoever does not love me does not keep my words, and the word that you hear is not mine, but the fathers who sent me. Verse 25. These things I've spoken to you while I'm still with you. But the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, He will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance 
all that I have said to you. Peace I leave you. My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your hearts be troubled. Neither let them be afraid. You heard me say to you, I am going away and I will come to you. If you love me, you would have rejoiced because I am going to the Father for the Father is greater than I. And now I have told you before it takes place so that when it does take place, you may believe. I will no longer talk much with you for the ruler of this world is coming. He has no claim on me but I do as the Father has commanded me, so that the world may know that I love the Father. Rise. Let us go from here. I was a young adult in my honours year in NUS when my father was diagnosed with lung cancer. I was 24, 25. Now, my father wasn't a smoker. And even till today, I'm puzzled how he got cancer. But what I do remember is this, that the deterioration in his health was quick. Within six weeks, he slipped into a coma. The cancer cells, they were aggressive and they had moved to his brain. And within 10 weeks of his diagnosis, he had passed away. He left me alone with my mom and my brother, who has more progressive muscular dystrophy. At that point in time, I was alone and afraid. My mom was prone to, and still is, prone to fears and anxieties. And my brother, even then, required physical help. I remembered standing there before my dad's coffin with fears and questions. They were just flooding me. Why, God? How can I go on after this? What about my plans to go overseas for graduate studies? You know, I'm not ready to settle down and face this, to, to, to bear this responsibility. Am I alone going to be caring for my family? As we look at verses 15 to 21, the disciples likewise face fears and had questions in their minds and hearts. Jesus had just told them he will be departing. Though the disciples did not fully understand that this man Jesus was going to the cross, but they do have some sense that their master, uh, their beloved teacher was about to go away. And Jesus promised them in these verses that he will send another helper to be with them. If you look with me into verse 15, Jesus prefaces promise with the words, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. He does not say, if you keep my commandments, I will love you. This is not what he says. It's not the idea that obeying Jesus will somehow make us more worthy of Jesus' love or somehow merit Jesus' love. Rather, if we have been changed by love, the unconditional sacrificial love of Christ for us, we will be motivated by this love. We will keep Jesus' commands and teaching. As Pastor Yen told us before, obedience is Jesus' love language. We see next, Jesus will ask God the Father 
and He will give us another helper. God will give us another helper of the same kind as Jesus. And according to John's Gospel, this helper, the Holy Spirit, He holds all things in common with the Father and the Son. The Holy Spirit shares with the Father and the Son the unique divine identity as Israel's one Lord God. Holy Spirit is God. And the helper here, the word helper here in the ESV, it means the word paraclete. This is the only time I'm trying to say this. Probably bash it up. The word here describes that describes the Holy Spirit, the paraclete, appears for the first time in John's Gospel. This word means advocate in Greek usage. It's a legal term that describes someone who speaks on another behalf and in favour of the accused in the courtroom. But the meaning here cannot be restricted to this usage alone. So Bible teachers has variedly translated this word to mean either comforter or teacher or advocate, or counsellor, or helper, or guide. All these descriptions try to describe who this person is, who the Holy Spirit is, and the whole ministry that He does in and among God's people. So we see that the Holy Spirit is another of the same sort as Jesus, continuing Jesus' ministry among his disciples, among God's people. The Holy Spirit is God's helping presence. He continues to help God's people even as Jesus departs to be with the Father. And the Holy Spirit, if you know the, what John Gospels tells us, will be with us forever. What a comforting thought for us fearful disciples who suspect that we will be left alone. So Jesus continues and tells his disciples that the Holy Spirit is the Spirit of truth. Verse 17. The Holy Spirit is He who reveals truth. He is the one that points to Jesus Christ, who is the way, the truth, and the life. The truth of God incarnate. The world used by John here, means unbelieving humanity and the world system that is set up against God. The world cannot receive the Holy Spirit because in their unbelief, they will neither see or know Him. But, but, the promise for us who believe in Christ, for us disciples, is that we will know the Holy Spirit for He will recite, He will dwell with us and indwell us. What a wonderful thought. The Holy Spirit, His presence will be with us so that we no longer will be orphans. We will not be left as orphans. We will not be left on our own. Jesus will come to us. When the, Holy, when the person of the Holy Spirit comes to us, Jesus speaks of Himself coming to us. We see here how close this association of the Son and the Spirit is. When the Holy Spirit comes, Jesus comes, and we will not be left as orphans. Remember what Paul wrote in Romans 8.15? Romans 8.15 tells us, For you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption as sons, 
by whom we cry, Abba, Father. We will not be left as orphans, but we will be adopted into God's family. We will have a heavenly Father whom we can call Abba, Daddy. And we see Jesus continuing to reassure His disciples and even us that even though in a little while He'll be crucified, dead and buried, but He will live and be raised again. And the disciples will see Him as their Lord risen. And Jesus' resurrection will serve to reassure them that as Jesus lives, they too will live. And that through the resurrection, the promise of God's helping presence coming to live among us and to live in us will be, as we say in English, chop, stamp and confirm. This is a guarantee of what Jesus has promised His disciples will come to pass. So there I was, standing before my dad's coffin. And in the midst of my fears and feelings of being abandoned and left on my own, a comforting voice whispers to me in my heart. The voice whispers to me the words from Scripture that I have heard and read in the past weeks. Never will I leave you nor forsake you. From Hebrews 13, 15. The Holy Spirit reminded me and pressed into my heart the very words of God, telling me that my heavenly Father will not leave me on my own. I will not be left as an orphan. Are you right now feeling alone and abandoned? Perhaps God is speaking to you right now. But Jesus promised that God's helping presence will be with you. Now, have you had some serious discussions, you know, in the midst of some serious discussion, you gather with your friends or your colleagues and your, the topic is, is, is something that is of importance and then suddenly someone says something that shows that he totally misses the point and then there's suddenly this pause and this awkward silence. We see here likewise, Judas totally missing the point. The other Judas, not Iscariot, asked Jesus, Lord, how is it that you manifest yourself to us and not to the world? In verse 22, you know, Jesus, Judas sort of recognized Jesus as the Messiah. So when Jesus spoke of showing himself to his disciples, Judas, Judas went, mm, Jesus, are you going to show yourself to the world now in power? and free us from the Romans? Because Judas wrongly expects that Jesus will reveal himself as the conquering Messiah who comes in military power and free, who will free Israel from Roman oppression. Rather, we see Jesus' response. Jesus tells his disciples that revelation of who he is, of God's plan, will initially be made only to those who love Jesus and obey his teaching. It was these whom the Father would love and with these that Jesus and the Father will make their home. Because according to Jewish expectation, God will dwell among His people in His age to come. We see this in Ezekiel as well as Revelation. Jesus promised that what was expected at the very end of time 
could be experienced in part in this present moment, this present time. And this will occur with the coming of the Holy Spirit, whereby the Father and the Son will make their home with believers. What a promise. God's end time perfect presence and our joy in His perfect presence can be experienced in part right now because of the promise, because of the coming of the Holy Spirit. And we see again in verses 25 to 31, we see Jesus telling us again of His coming departure and the sending of God's helping present. You know, the, the ministry of the Holy Spirit has been described as flood-like ministry. You know, if you go on a stage you know, and you see a performance, what flood-likes do is to illuminate and make clear on the stage where the main star is on. And the Holy Spirit does the same thing. He illuminates and make clear, makes clear the person and the work of Jesus Christ. Jesus tells us in verse 25, These things I've spoken to you while I'm still with you. But the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, He will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I've said to you. God's helping presence, the Holy Spirit whom God the Father will send in Jesus' name. He will take all that Jesus had spoken and taught the disciples. He will take Jesus' words and help teach and remind the disciples of them. The Holy Spirit teaches and reminds the disciples of Jesus' words. We see this in verse 26. And what this means is, for the disciples whom, the G, whom Jesus is addressing then, what this means is that after Jesus' ascension and departure with God the Father, the Holy Spirit will help the apostles remember and understand what Jesus had taught and said to them. And this resulted in the apostles writing Scripture. The apostle wrote the Gospels and the letters in the very book you're holding in the New Testament of the Bible, the very words recorded in the Bible you hold in your hands today. And what this means for us believers that come after, this means that the Holy Spirit will continue His ministry in helping us understand the Bible, which is the very words of God. So God's helping presence teaches us and reminds us of what God has revealed to us in His Word. And what we see here is this, what the Spirit does remains closely linked with the person of Jesus. Just as Jesus everywhere in John's Gospel is portrayed as the sent one who is fully dependent and fully, fully dependent on and obedient to God the Father, the Holy Spirit is sent, said to be sent by both the Father and Jesus. And His focus is to focus on the teaching and, and to illuminate the spiritual, to give light to the spiritual significance of God's work in Jesus. Finally, just at the end of this passage, just before Jesus departs with his disciples for the Garden of Gethsemane, where Judas and the religious leaders will come and arrest him, Jesus sort of gave a benediction. Jesus wishes the disciples peace that comes as Jesus gave peace with God so that they will not have you be troubled, nor be afraid. 
It encourages them to rejoice for Jesus was going to be the Father. And Jesus forewarns them of his arrest and crucifixion so that when it happens, they will believe what Jesus had told them. You know, I, I covered the last few verses very quickly, but I do want us to know something in there that reveals our sinful DNA. You need to get the scene. Jesus was about to depart and return to the Father. What this means is he's going back to the glory he had left when he came down to earth. He was going back to the Father and will experience the joy of God's presence and fellowship once again. And what was the response of the disciples? Fear. Instead of rejoicing for Jesus, their hearts were full of fear. Fear blinds us. It prevents us from rejoicing in Christ and glorifying the Father. Because fear causes us to be bent in to ourselves. We focus on our anxieties and what we may be losing. We focus on ourselves and not on others. We focus on guarding ourselves rather than delighting in Christ. So what does this mean for us? What does this mean for us? Jesus promises the Holy Spirit God's helping presence. He will be with us and will never leave us. He will teach and guide us. And we saw in Acts, He will empower us to carry out the ministry of Jesus Christ. My friends, this is who the Holy Spirit is. And we can be free of fear of the Holy Spirit. So don't let ourselves be blinded by fear and let fear-mongering drive us. Let us, let us not let fear prevent us from rejoicing in Christ and glorifying the Father. It puzzles me when we are fearful of the Holy Spirit, for He is Jesus' love deposit for His disciples. So what should we do? Let us then look to the Bible as authority and guide. Let Scripture, frame our thoughts, our views, and our practices with regards to the Holy Spirit. Yes, I know that errors in the few extreme charismatic churches and the prosperity gospel churches in Singapore, but we should also be careful not to, in our fear, label some of our brothers and sisters in Christ as such without a clear knowledge of what they believe and do. Just because some of them are more passionate in their worship and practice doesn't immediately make them charismatic and wrong. As long as what they are passionate about is in accord, is in line with the truth in Scripture. And maybe if you're honest with yourself, perhaps we can do with a little bit more passion for Christ ourselves. We should let Scripture be our evaluative tool and test and avoid errors, that's for sure. So let us, instead of reacting in fear, let us look to the Bible and see what God's words say and evaluate these practices and beliefs without letting our fear drive us. For Jesus promises that the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of truth, will teach and guide us to the truth, into the truth of God's Word. What else? 
we can be assured of God's helping presence is with us right now. Now, are you feeling alone and abandoned right now? I know some of us are struggling with that. Perhaps you're struggling with family issues. You feel that no one understands or cares. Or you feel isolated and alone in school. Your classmate bullies you and ostracizes you. Or in your senior years, when you no longer have a job and your children have their own families and your spouse may have passed on to glory and you are often alone. I can sympathize and understand these thoughts and feelings because I've experienced these feelings of loneliness too. Having Christian friends in church is one of God's grace to us. The church community can be Christ's presence to us to encourage us. But even our church friends cannot be with us 24-7. So my friends, turn to Jesus Christ's words in the Bible. Let them encourage you and be what you cling on to. When the voices in your head tells you you are alone, no one cares, you are abandoned. Let Christ promise, let Jesus promise that we will not be left as orphans, that the Holy Spirit will be with you and I forever. Let this truth of God's word, of Christ's words to us, flood us instead. And I pray that the truth of these words will be yours and my experience. Lastly, we can rest in our new identity in God's family. And in doing so, trust in the Holy Spirit empowering for our new responsibilities. You need to understand this. We have not been left as often. We've been adopted into God's family. And this family relationship to the Father is both a privilege, but it also entails responsibility. We have the privilege of having the Creator of the heavens and the earth as our Father. You know, how awesome is that? But we also have a responsibility as part of God's family. And our responsibility includes living out our new identity as God's family in our church. It means loving and caring for one another in the church. Just last week, six young adults joined our church family. It's our privilege to have them join us, but it's also our responsibility to welcome them, to love and care for them, and to help them grow in Christ. It also means that as God's family, we learn to love and forgive one another in the church. Unforgiveness is denying that we are all together as one family. Our responsibility as part of God's family also includes the task that the Son, Jesus Christ, sends us on. That is to make disciples of all nations. The ultimate goal in the Gospel of John is that the Father may be glorified in the Son. The coming of the Holy Spirit, God's helping present, will guarantee our new mode, our new, new fellowship with Jesus in the Spirit and will continue to enable us to carry out Jesus' mission through us as his disciples. And this is what we have been seeing so far in the book of Acts. God's Spirit, God's helping presence, empowering his people to carry out Christ's mission to the world. 
we have a responsibility to proclaim the gospel and the Holy Spirit will help us. Sometimes I'm reluctant to talk about ministry, especially when things seem to go well in ministry. Yep, because it seems to be self-promoting. But recently, a brother in Christ asked for help. He wanted someone to speak to his grandmother in dialect, in Teichu. Okay, how many of us are Teichu speakers? Okay, speak Teichu. Not that many now, right? He wanted us to speak in Teichu to the grandmother about the gospel. And when we found out about it, Carrie and myself volunteered for the task. And after I accepted it, I regretted it and felt really, really anxious. You must understand this. My teaching is limited to only simple daily conversations. Things like, have you eaten? And then, yeah, what's up? Okay, even my, my, my teaching sounds a bit mixed with Hokkien. So it's not that great. No? And I, I really don't understand Christian terms and I can't communicate them in teaching. I can't use Christian terms in teaching to explain the gospel. So I prayed and then I prayed some more. And then I spent the afternoon before the visit, rehearsing what I could possibly say. And then when I met Carrie, I realised she was just as anxious as me. So before we visited the grandmother, who stays with the brother in, brother in, with, with the uncle and auntie of this brother in Christ, as we were walking there, we were late because we were praying some more. Okay? We were praying some more. We recognised that we were solely inadequate for the task. And I didn't want to totally blow it. But you hear that? On hindsight, right now, I realise how my fears have caused me to be bent inwards. Me, I, blow it. How about looking upwards to God and trusting that His Holy Spirit will equip and empower? But by God's grace, during our visit, I could share clearly in Teju. I spoke about the gospel. I spoke of the gospel for 10 minutes. This doesn't make me qualified to speak to people in Teju and share the gospel in Teju. I'm just saying at that point in time, somehow God gave me the words to speak. And for 10 minutes, I went on. Imagine that. And it didn't just end there. As a result, this brother in Christ who invited us to use this also had the opportunity to share the gospel with his non-Christian uncle, the uncle that the grandmother lived with. So as we were walking out and then we walked back, he was able to share with his uncle the gospel. And it's not just it. The brother in, in, uh, or this brother in Christ, his wife, his wife, also had the opportunity to share the gospel with the aunt. Continue to pray for them that gospel will take root and bear fruit. I know it doesn't always turn out that way. And it's not about me or Carrie. It's about God's helping presence. The Holy Spirit who empowers us for the mission that Jesus sent me on. I can tell you, left on my own, I would have totally blown it. Okay? Just as the Father has sent Jesus, so Jesus sends us, His disciples, to proclaim the gospel and to make Him known. But He does not send us alone. He sends the Holy Spirit, God's helping presence, to teach, to guide, and to empower us. What we see in Acts 2,000 years ago is still happening today. 
as the Spirit empowers, leads, and guides us. And what, in conclusion, what John's Gospel tells us is this, is that in and through Jesus, the fullness of God's eschatological, or last times, last things blessing, in the Holy, person of the Holy Spirit has come, and He has come to stay. It means that in and through the Holy Spirit, we can experience the blessing and joy of God's presence with us right now. We can experience this in part right now. But when Christ returns, we can experience God's presence with us in full. Our experience will be as Apostle John describes again in his last letter to the church in Revelation chapter 21, verse 3 to 5. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with men. He will dwell with them and they will be His people. And God Himself will be with them as their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning, crying, nor pain anymore. For the former things have passed away. And he who was seated on the throne said, Behold, I am making all things new. Everything will be perfect. God himself will be our God. And the Holy Spirit's presence right now with us guarantees this. Amen. Let us pray. Blessed Trinity, from whom salvation springs, may every soul your praises sing. Thanks and praise to you for those you grant conquest of death and sin by the Holy Cross. Your rewards you supply. The promise of God's helping presence and a promise of life eternal in, the, in your perfect presence forevermore. Amen.